to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. Will you pray with me, please? Holy One, we thank you for the glimpses we catch of your gift of daring love. Even in the midst of fear, of challenge, of struggle, even when we cannot yet see a better day when we will act like the human family we are, ignite the flame of love within us that we might glow with its brilliance from the inside out. Reconciling Congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Help us face this fear and become awake to the possibilities of connection and dare to see what love can do. Amen. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. chapter 7, verses 1 to 14. In the days of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah, son of Ramalia of Israel, went up to attack Jerusalem, but they could not mount an attack against it. When the house of David heard that Aram had allied itself with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and your son Shirjashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take heed, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Ramalia, because Aram with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia had plotted evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and cut off Jerusalem and conquer it for ourselves and make the son of Tabil king in it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass for the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered, no longer a people. 
The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. If you do not stand firm in faith, you shall not stand at all. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. From Matthew chapter 1 verses 17 to 25. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, 
son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. last week, our worship series this Advent calls on the power of music that has always called humanity to a brighter tomorrow. Rather than turn away from music in our sorrow, we will turn toward the story of music and deepen our appreciation of its role in healing and caring and change and reconciliation. Indeed, on this Sunday, with love at its center, we can attest that it's probably love songs that top the charts in the history of human song. In this moment, we're sharing an anthem called Love Has Broken Down the Walls. This anthem has become a favorite of youth choirs across the country, and it is a favorite 
here at Epworth. Our choirs are showing us what it means to accept each other's diversity, each other's beauty as a global community, and we pray that this continues as time moves forward. Let's hear this beautiful anthem. pray with me, please. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Are you familiar with the five love languages? This concept was developed by Dr. Gary Chapman through his work as a marriage and family therapist. And according to Chapman, we all have a particular way we can best hear someone communicating that they love us. And it turns out that using words is only one of the five love languages. So just saying I love you to someone, according to Chapman, is not going to be enough. Do you know the others? Some of you are familiar with the five lang love languages. So the, the love languages are spending quality time together, doing acts of service for your loved one, physical touch, and the receiving of gifts. And the language that does involve words, that's the fifth one, is more than just saying I love you. Chapman's work suggests that this love language needs a whole host of other words of affirmation on a regular basis for someone to really hear I love you. 
So take a, a minute now and think of someone you love and how you might express love in each of the love languages to that person. Is quality time together a long walk or maybe it's an intense Scrabble game or a travel adventure? Is an act of service changing the oil in the car? Is that what's going to speak best to that person, even if that is their love language? Or is it giving up something you want so they can have something they want? Is physical touch a big kiss or a gentle touch while passing that person when moving from one room to another in your house? Does a gift that costs a lot or a gift that really considers who the other is likely to be the most appreciated for someone whose love language is the receiving of gifts? When we want to communicate love, it turns out that we typically use the love language that speaks to us. So for instance, if my love language is receiving gifts, I will likely be a frequent and thoughtful gift giver myself. Now, this may resonate with some as deep love, if, if, that's, if that's their love language too, but for others it may not fully resonate. Or it may be perceived as just generosity, but not necessarily love. To figure out someone's love language, we need to watch how they express love and then do that, do that for them. Left to our own devices, we would express love in our own love language most often. And according to this system, if we did that, we would only be hitting the mark with others about 20% of the time. Love is essential to our lives. It's an emotion and hope that drives much of our motivations. But as humans, we can sometimes feel more the elusiveness of love than the presence of it. Poets throughout the ages have tried to capture it. From Shakespeare's Shall I Compare Thee to a Summer's Day, to Nikki Giovanni's poem Love Is, which goes like this. Some people forget that love is tucking you in and kissing you goodnight. No matter how young or old you are, some people don't remember that love is listening and laughing and asking questions no matter what your age. Few recognize that love is commitment, responsibility, no fun at all unless love is you and me. Of course, our own scriptures have some of the most enduring love poetry. From the Song of Solomon, which is often uh, used in, in wedding ceremonies, we hear these words. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among maidens. As an apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among young men. Artists have tried to paint it. Singers have sought to sing it. We've been trying for millennia to communicate love, to express it and describe it, and we never totally capture it. In all of its fullness, love is beyond our grasp. But every time we try, we understand more, 
We experience more. We witness more love every time we try to, to express it, to live it, to share it. Love is like the air we breathe. It gives us life, but defies our precise description or scientific observation. God is like this too. Like love and like breath, we need God to live. The faithful throughout the ages have attempted to describe God, to see evidence of God. The manifestation of God is all around us, and yet somehow, sometimes we can feel like we are searching and grasping for God, and nothing will do but to see God face to face. In one of my favorite books, 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, the main character, Jose Arcadio Buendia, is intent on photographing God. He's obsessed with it. He feels he needs to prove to the other townspeople that God does exist, and he wants to show God in all of God's fullness. He needs something tangible, something real. His quest ends in frustration and despair. He's not able to photograph God, and so he concludes, God doesn't exist. What a tragedy. So many times through the ages, people have cried out to God, if you are there, give me a sign. In the quest to prove God, to hear God, to know God, Buendia, in 100 Years of Solitude, thought that this photograph would be the ultimate sign, and the only sign, as it turned out, that would work for him. In our scripture today, from the Hebrew scriptures, the prophet Isaiah is saying to King Ahaz that he should, he should request a sign from God. But that's interesting. Ahaz was the king of Judah, the southern Jewish kingdom. Ahaz was a descendant of King David. The northern kingdom had allied with the kingdom of Aram, which is modern-day Syria, and was set to attack Ahaz's kingdom, Judah. God told Isaiah to go to Ahaz and say to him, Be careful and stay calm. Don't fear and don't lose heart. Even though your enemies are set to attack you, it won't happen. It won't take place. Then God spoke again through Isaiah and said to Ahaz, Ask for a sign from God if you don't believe this. Make it as big as you can imagine. But Ahaz said, no, I won't ask for a sign. I won't put God to the test. Now, often we think asking for a sign from God is wrong. We remember the words of Jesus when he was tempted by the evil one in the wilderness. And when he said, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But this is a different case. In this scripture, this isn't the evil one trying to trick Jesus or God but rather God's self asking God's servant to hold fast, to be calm and remain faithful. God is trying to help out Ahaz with reassurance. And what the scripture tells us is that the reason Ahaz declined was not out of his piety or self-discipline, as was the case with Jesus, 
but because he had already determined to ally with the Assyrians, who were the enemies of God. Ahaz was determined to go to war, so he didn't want to ask for a sign. But God is saying to him, hang in there. I am with you. Let me know your love language. Whatever will speak to you, whatever will demonstrate to you that I am on your side, let me do that. This is an amazing thing. I know that we don't like to think of God as taking sides in a conflict, but let's be clear what side God is on here. God is on the side of peace. If Ahaz will trust in God, there is no battle, there is no strife, there is no violence and no death and no war. Hear God's words again, be careful and stay calm. Don't fear and don't lose heart. Even though your enemies are set to attack you, it won't happen. It won't take place. Let me give you a sign says God. Now, this is a radical reversal from how we usually think about signs and God. We usually think about us asking God for a sign to make this choice or to confirm something we want. But here is God begging us to allow God's sign in, to stand calmly with faith and with hope and to let God's sign in to stand with God for peace. This request from God is exactly what we are being asked to become awake to in Advent. God is asking us to let God show us a sign of God's presence, of God's love, God's peace. It's like God is saying, I know you want to know me, and I know I am also beyond your comprehension. You have tried with your words and psalms and poems and songs, through your art, through the ages, your, your imagination and the depth of your creativity to understand me. And I love how much you are trying to understand me. Just like when we, we try to describe love, we come close, but it is always elusive to describe. And, and God knows that. God knows that even even in the best of our attempts, we know that we are falling short of understanding the fullness of who God is. With every attempt, we understand more, but we never fully capture God. And God wants to do everything within God's power to be fully known to us, to be fully trusted, loved, and understood. And so each Advent, God becomes the sign, Emmanuel. This was God's sign to us 2,000 years ago, and this is God's sign to us today. God is with us. In the person of Jesus, God is trying to speak all the love languages and bridge all the gaps in our inability to express ourselves to say how much we love God, the God who came to us as one of us. God is attempting to make God's self fully comprehensible to us by becoming us. Last week, we talked about the way to change our response to fictional fears. 
When we are bound with fear, it is very difficult to feel love. And so the process begins with becoming awake to what is real in the present moment. And that begins with becoming aware of our breath. When we stop whatever we are doing or whatever is going on in our minds and we, we pay attention to our breath, we can see what is real and what is imagined. And when we see the fears that we are imagining, we can say, I see you. And though maybe you could happen, you aren't happening now. And you may never happen. And then we realize that those fears are not us. We divorce ourselves from those fears and we move them aside, not allowing them to control us or to take the space that love is trying to break into. And the space that is left when the fear can be seen for what it is, we can recognize that what is real in the present moment is God's love for us, God's presence with us. The signs of this are many and varied, and the more we pay attention to these signs, the more we see that they are all around us. They are both miracle and common. They are God and God's love. And because I have experienced these signs, and I know you have too, often not the ones that we're looking for or trying to capture when we're feeling alone or fearful or bereft, but because I have experienced these signs, I know that love is and that God is. And because I have experienced these signs, I can say, I believe in love, even when I don't feel it. Amen. The gentle pull of God is often lost amidst the rush of all the obligations which
Resistance this morning was written in 1849 by Massachusetts Unitarian minister Reverend Edmund Hamilton Sears. One verse has been left out of several hymnals over the decades since that time, including our own United Methodist hymnal. But it's important for us to hear that verse, to restore its power as it refers to the love song of the angels being drowned out by our warring nature. The verse goes like this, Yet with the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angel strain have rolled two thousand years of wrong. And we at war on earth hear not the love song which they bring. Oh, hush the noise and cease the strife and hear the angels sing. Let us be reminded that we are to listen to the angel chorus and then join it, raising our voices with the message that love, not hate, is the answer.
been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online Connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.